This is the After Hours Director Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. In this episode, Nick Averwater talks with Dr. Matt Rowan, Director of Bands for the Pearl School District in Pearl, Mississippi, a city of around 27,000 just east of Jackson. In this conversation, Dr. Rowan talks about how he knew early that he wanted to pursue a career in music education, in large part because of the many educators along the way who encouraged him. We'll also learn about ways he now serves as a mentor for leaders in his own band program who want to go on to teach music. This conversation was recorded March 2nd, 2022, and it's broken up into two episodes, and this is part one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Amro Music's After Hours Conversations for Music Educators. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Dr. Matt Rowan. Matt, it's good to see you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Looking forward to this. Uh, really, my first kind of podcast experience, so uh, excited to see where it goes, and hope I don't make a fool of myself. So. Oh, you'll be great, man. Well, excited to have you on. It's always a pleasure to sit down with new faces and, and just unpack their career and their influences. Perhaps for our listeners that are outside of Mississippi, do you mind just giving us a little overview of you know who you are and how you ended up at Pearl? And, and we'll unpack some of the people that influenced you along your own musical journey. Okay, sounds good. I am, uh, I am originally from Pearl, uh, so I grew up here and uh, joined the band when I was in sixth grade and was fortunate. I've been fortunate to be to have many, many uh, influential people in my life. Uh, and so I think it, my family, number one, um, my granddad was the band director at Heinz Community College uh, for a long time. And then uh, my uncle uh, was a band director and aunt for that matter. They were both band directors at Warren Central and then moved to Starkville after that. So uh, band roots kind of run deep. Uh, and so there was no doubt. And then we, we live here, lived here and grew up here in Pearl, Mississippi when the band program was really strong. And so I joined band in sixth grade and uh, just had the good fortune. I, walk, I remember walking into uh, sixth grade band my first day and I knew that I had Mr. Burns, on Mr. Ted Burns on my schedule. Uh, and I'd gone to church with him and we're good friends with him and he'd been band director already here for several years. And I walked into sixth grade band, and I turned and looked at this little little lady that was in uh, the classroom. I remember it right now. She was writing on the board. Uh, and I looked at her, and I said, you're not Mr. Burns. And she said, no, honey, it will be okay. And that uh, that lady at that point in time is none other than Dr. Nola Jones. So I was fortunate to have her in sixth grade band uh, and then moved through the program here with uh, Ted Burns, Jeff Cannon, and Mark Johnson, uh, among others, uh, as you know, primary band directors, and then went from there. Uh, left high school, knew that that's kind of what I wanted to pursue. Uh, went to University of Mississippi, where I was under uh, Mr. David Wilson uh, and Mr. Steve Barnett, among others, and uh, very, very, both of them, very, very influential in, in my, you know, in my career. And honestly, it's probably, you know, all of those people have a direct impact about why I'm uh, really sitting where I am today, I guess. Um, uh, from there, I was fortunate after completing, I went straight through and completed graduate school. Uh, and I was fortunate that there was a job to come open at Oxford High School at the time when I finished my master's. And so I was able to stay right there in the good old town of Oxford and uh, work at Oxford High School under two great guys, uh, John Mixon and Jeff Young, who taught at uh, in the Oxford School District for a long time and really kind of 
helped reestablish that program, and I was fortunate to be under them for the first few years. And then John and I actually kind of swapped around roles, and uh, he went to an assistant position, and I moved into the head position. Uh, we'd kind of discussed that over time, and it, it, it worked, and he was still right there by my side and uh, to help tell me what to do, do and how to do it. And so uh, went from there to Oxford, uh, from Oxford, taught at Oxford for nine total years, uh, and then uh, was fortunate uh, to, there was a spot that opened up back home here at Pearl, uh, and me and Mr. Cannon talked about the, that position, and I was fortunate in 2010 to what, what they say is come back home, I guess, uh, and uh, start a career here. And, and I, so I was under Jeff here as the associate director for three years, and him and I, uh, Jeff retired, and I moved into the head role, and I've been in that role uh, ever since. I guess that'd be about 2013 or so. So okay. it's just kind of been fortunate to have a lot of, a lot of mentors. Yeah, just hearing all of the educators that you have crossed paths with. So, of course, Nola Jones has a brick in Amro's Walk of Fame out front, right. went on to do wonderful things in Mississippi, West Tennessee, Con Selmer, yeah. wonderful educator. David yeah. Wilson's got a brick in front of Amro Music, uh, wonderful educator. Uh, John Mixon. Uh, so many of these people, Steve Barnett just got named as the uh, you know chair of the Department of Music at UT Martin. Yeah. And so, man, just what incredible mentors you have had uh, coming up through music. I'm not sure I've ever interacted with somebody that had so many names uh, coming up through their program like that. Yeah, like I said, I've been fortunate, and they have all had some impact. And I, when I see them to this day, you know, I'm so thankful that I was able to spend time with them and that literally, like like you said, our, our paths crossed. Uh, and I was fortunate to do that. And so I guess, you know, I guess the good Lord uh, is part of his plan that I was able to to end up where I am and be doing what I'm doing. Well, I always like to reflect on this, and and really, I I do this at the beginning of every episode, and and, you know, the purpose of the question, in in case anybody, any of our listeners may be wondering, is, is, you know, I I think all of us are influenced. There's these crossroads in our lives where we can turn left or we can turn right, and it impacts the person that we are today. And every educator I've talked to, there has been another educator that's influenced them, right? And that's why they have decided to end up in the career that they're in. And I always like to unpack that and think about that and reflect on it because we never know when we're going to interact with somebody who's at their crossroads. And so I just love hearing everybody's story and the people that impacted them along the way because who knows, it might help us to identify when somebody we interact with is having that same thought, do I go left and go right? And our influence can be the one that helps encourage make that decision. So, Matt, one of the things I would love to just kind of kick off the conversation and and reflect with you upon is, I mean, you've been teaching now 21, 22 years. Am I doing the math right in my head? That's correct. This is year 21 for me. Okay. Congratulations. So, out of curiosity, and I, I know COVID really kind of caused all of us to stand back and reflect on what success looks like in our programs and you know how has the definition of success has that changed for you between you know your first through fifth year and then as you've moved from oxford and into pearl and has covid changed that definition even further for you um i don't know that's a good question i i would venture to say i hope that i'm going to be able to say no to that um i think success i think i've always tried to define success as from a personal standpoint is my ability to provide my best effort to educate the students that I have in front of me in whatever that whatever realm that we're doing that day 
um, and to provide the best possible opportunity for the kids that I have in front of me and the kids that I'm, I'm around the program that I'm with, whether that be the, you know, the second band or the seventh grade band in Oxford High School that I started out teaching to the symphonic band at Pearl High School to the Mississippi Lions All-State Band, which I've had the fortune of being in front of uh, a couple of times. So, you know, that really, to me, I don't think it matters personally. Personal success um, is, I think, intrinsically motivated and is my ability to get up and, and you know, hopefully influence students that I see day in and day out. As far as uh, student success or program success, if you want to think about it in that in that realm, uh, there again, I think it's just doing the best that we can, giving our absolute, we, and we teach that here, it's to, for, you know, to give your personal best every day. Personal best is a big thing for us here, uh, no matter what we're asked with. And I know um, going back to mentors, David Wilson has the philosophy every day in every way. Uh, and we've kind of adopted that too. Just I think if we give our personal best effort every day in and day out uh, with a positive attitude uh, and a good work ethic, then things are going to uh, take care of themselves. You know, if you devote yourself to something and and work hard at it, then chances are they're they're going to pay off if you have the right things in place. Help unpack that for me a little bit. I'm I'm particularly curious within your program because I think it's really easy for us to say, hey, hey, do your best. You know, just just do your best, and and that sounds really nice. Um, but but in order for us to really reach our best, there has to be behaviors and expectations and things that reflect what best looks like. How do you communicate that with your students and set those expectations and then define it down to a level of behaviors? This is what we need to do to be the best in our program i I think that's a lot of there's i think there's many things to that number one you have to have clear expectations when the kids come in the classroom uh, or when you first meet them Uh, i said but at the same time with that you've got to be able to to cultivate and develop a relationship with them to where they will see you for who you are and you can't it can't be a fake uh, persona i guess you put on when you just get in front of them you've got to be a, a legitimate real person uh and have a um i think you've got to build a sense of trust and a sense of a relationship with them where they will trust that you're doing the right thing for the program and that you're uh providing the right thing for the children and if you do that i think you build that on mutual respect uh the kids will buy into that and uh be willing to work and do the things that need to in the same sense. If you build it with all of them and you develop a sense of uh, teamwork, camaraderie, I think band's great at teaching that, uh, is that they're, they're putting their efforts in for the benefit of the whole, which is, I think we're losing that in somewhat of a, uh, you mentioned COVID earlier. I think COVID dealt us a blow to where we're becoming more of an individualized society to where I can do things that I want to do. And just for the benefit of me, and I'm not worried about others. And I think band, uh, and music in general, uh, especially ensemble music, teaches a sense of teamwork and camaraderie and, and a sense of uh, contributing to uh, something for the benefit of the whole, which is something we're missing in society today, I believe. And 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 you were quick to come to relationships. Like you were quick to say, you know, we, we, we can't have high expectations. We can't hold ourselves to high expectations if the relationship is not present, if that foundation is not laid how do you how do you go about doing that? Because I think you're so right. You know, people give their best when they're bought into the leader and into the program and the direction. But you know, building relationships can be hard. How do you go about doing that? Absolutely, I think you have to you have to constantly cultivate that and work on it. Uh, I try to speak to kids every day as they walk in. Uh, try to say something positive to them. Try to find some way to relate to them in a practical manner so that they will. 
uh, respond to you in a positive way. You know, I think you have to be able to read people and see what kind of day they're having. So if they're having a good day, you try to, you know, pep them up, say something positive, maybe joke around with them a little bit. Uh, if you can tell that they're having a bad day, they're coming in all sold up, you know, you try to approach that in a different manner. So I think it goes back to reading people. And they're again treating people like you would want to be treated as they walk in the room. You know, you got to realize that that, that student probably just come out, came out of an English class where they bombed a test, you know, and that's in the back of their mind. So you got to do something to engage them in what you're about to have them do. Uh, and, and try to make them feel positive about uh, being in being around you and the other students in your room at, the, at that time. And so just building a relationship, and it just doesn't happen, you know, one time a week. I think you have to constantly work on that. You have to uh, constantly be building those relationships and be uh, showing some investment uh, into the students you teach. And I think that goes further than that. you got to invest in the parents, too. Uh, and that's getting harder and harder to do these days. I think you have to invest in building relationships, whether it's through parent meetings, through contact, or through just talking to them or sending them some sort of positive note. I was talking to a parent last night. We had a parent meeting last night, uh, and she brought up her son. And I said, you know, my first words out of my mouth were, I just love being around your son every day, because I do, because he always comes in. Uh, I'll, I'll call him Michael. I won't use any last names or anything, but Michael comes in every day with a pretty positive attitude and, and um, I just he's a he's a ray of sunshine that walks in and always typically does what he's supposed to do but you know um, being able to have that relationship with him and his mother uh, you know helps matter so that when I if ever something were to come up with Michael I could call his mother and she knows that I have his best interest at heart that's such that's such a great insight and being intentional about building those relationships and you are right with the parents and who doesn't love a compliment about their kid i mean come on right. everybody loves that and that's that's such a great way to kind of uh, strengthen that relationship with meaningful positive uh, reinforcement reflecting back at your career was there ever a time that you um set either too high of expectations and it kind of backfired or, or you you tried to step outside of yourself to build those relationships and it backfired on you and, and it was perhaps counter to what you had intended as an educator? Uh, I don't, I don't know. You talked about setting expectations. I don't know that you can ever set too high of an, I think you can definitely set too low expectations. And I think as educators, if we set too low of an expectation, then we don't reach our full potential. And so I think we always, we should approach expectation and goals and that sort of thing as setting high goals. And then, because you'll never achieve them if you don't set them. Um, and so we try to set, uh, high and achievable goals here, uh, in every facet of the program. And those vary from, I guess, level to level. As far as, uh, not achieving one, stepping out of the comfort zone and then setting too high of a goal, I don't know that. I think you use those opportunities. I don't know that I can point to one specific one because obviously there's there's things that happen along anybody's career that you say, well, we came up just a little bit short there. I think you use those as learning uh, chances for learning opportunities and for growth and to go back and to evaluate what you do. And I think anybody doesn't necessarily have to be in the band world. I think you do that as any kind of educator, any kind of human being, really. I think you've set goals for yourself, and if you don't achieve them, they use them as learning opportunities go back and evaluate uh, why you didn't reach them and then, uh, you know, go back at it again. Yeah. 
so switching switching gears a little bit, Matt. You know, one of the things that stands out to me, um, just just reading over your bio, is you have you have found yourself in a leadership role a lot through your career, right? And just looking through, and you know, going back to your time at, at Ole Miss, uh, serving as drum major, all sorts of accolades, Taylor Medal, uh, summa cum laude, most outstanding undergraduate instrument, uh, in, instrumentalist, most outstanding music education student. I mean. Even back to your time at, at Ole Miss, and then moving forward, all of the things that you have accomplished, have you always viewed yourself as a leader? Um, I tend to gravitate that way. I think I think once I understand uh, how things work and where I stand and the scope of things, I think I tended to gravitate to that. And that is not – I've tried to live my life very humbly. I don't ever want recognition from any – for really anything that I do, I want it to go to, honestly, in in the band context, to the kids that I teach. Um, And, but so, but just to try to help others, that's, that was my, that's really what I enjoy doing. I help, I like serving others. I like seeing things succeed. Um, And then to, if, if that means that I'm in a leadership role, then I'm going to do what I can to help others, um, achieve their potential and ultimately uh, let the group succeed that's i think that's where i tend to tend to go you know and i I just tend to gravitate that way um pretty much in every everywhere through high school through college and then um as i've grown through the profession you know uh, i've tried to just do a good job everywhere i've been and uh just try to consistently day in day out do a good job and i guess that makes you a leader (laughs) over time i guess people people tend to see that and tend to say, hey, yeah, he would be good in that spot or, or you know, and I think uh, I think we need people like that, honestly, and that's not trying to um, put myself on any higher pedestal because um, I just I try to do a good job with what I've been given day in and day out and try to make the best best of my situation. And so um, that's, you know, Lyndon, I think of like Mississippi Bandmasters being on the board there and being moving up to the president's role there, which is a uh, a large weight to carry on top of a full-time job. You've got another full-time job as as far as uh, making sure things are running in the association for the state. Um, I think that um, it can get very overwhelming at times, but I think again, there again, you just take what you have and you try to uh, look at the best interests for all that are involved and, and make the best out of that situation. I know that I'm t- talking in generic terms, but that's that's really what I try to do day in and day out. Try to try to take what I have and, and and make it better, you know, and try to be a servant to those around me so that they can be better. Yeah. Well, I, I want to unpack this with you because, and I, I don't know if I've ever unpacked this on the show, and 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 because I, it's very apparent that early on you you found yourself in these leadership positions, right? And so, from my perspective, it seems like for many cases. Our success in music between grades 6 through 12 and even into college, to a certain extent, is defined by our musicianship, our ability to play our instruments at a really high level, move through the various ensembles. And I think musicianship becomes important after graduation, but I think leadership becomes a very important component because we don't get asked to play scales in a job interview, but we get asked to talk about how to handle conflict and what's our vision for the program. And those are leadership questions, right? So, so we've been trained in musicianship and then the real world demands leadership. 
but but you you recognize that leadership and you are invested in leadership and so how is we as a music education community how do we invest in those those leaders how do we begin to help those students get those experiences so that when they become educators you know the musicianship continues to carry them but the leadership also picks up and helps them find success in their career i I think that's a very important uh thing Uh, i think if a young person coming out of college doesn't realize like you said they're not going to ask you to play your scales at a job interview for a band position they're not going to ask any of that they're going to ask how are you going to handle this situation or how how are you going to build our program to be competitive you know or to be whatever their goal is there, whatever their outlook of the program is. Uh, and I, and there again, the kids are going to look for a leader and the parents are going to look for a leader. I think the band director becomes a leader by default, whether they want to or not. And I think it's ultimately their ability to handle that, which makes them successful or not, kind of like you said. And so how we put students, how do we prepare students for that? Number one, I think we have to give them good role models. Uh, we talked about mentors, and I think you've got to have a good mentor that uh, will will demonstrate those leadership qualities, whether they're telling you that they're doing, that they're doing that or not. Uh, but there again, I think we also have to be uh, proactive in developing uh, well-rounded students that can handle situations like that. We have a leadership program here within our band that we try to do a you know, a leader, what we call a leadership camp every summer for a couple of days where we're bringing in our leaders and just try to teach them how to teach others and, and try to draw their attention to the fact that they're a leader and they're being looked up to whether they want to or not. And so their ability to influence others uh, becomes uh, one of the most important things in being successful uh, with a successful program, you know, because the younger kids will come in and they'll automatically look up to that upperclassman and they'll fall right in their footsteps, whether they're going the right way or the wrong way. And so I think it's the job of the band director or the leader, whoever that is in that organization, and you can apply that to whatever organization you want to, um, that they're the the band director's job is to set the student leaders up for success so they will help you go in the right direction. And I think so many young teachers come out not understanding how to do that, and they think it's all on their shoulders. Um, if they don't invest the time in developing their student leaders and their staff around them to to make sure that everybody is pulling in the same direction, then uh, success is going to be attained at uh, really a slower pace. And so um, I think we, we need to, number one, develop our students to make sure that they understand that they're the older students especially, to make sure they're they're they understand that they're leaders, and then to give them a role model or somebody to look up to, uh, um, and and somebody to emulate. You know, I was like I said, I was fortunate to be able to do that in bas- basically every stop that I had. Uh, to have somebody stable there that really was practical, understood what they're doing, and understood how to do it, and I just tried to soak all that in. You you and then so you part you combine that with musicianship which you better be getting, uh, number one, I think you better be a competent musician uh, when you're going into the to the field. There's so many teachers that go in because of that join, think they want to become a band director because they like being in band. Well, they need to be able to understand what the job is as opposed to what the participant's job is. You know, I think there's two different distinct roles there that we have that uh, we need to guide kids uh, to being successful on their instrument, yes, but also to to at the same time to 
to harnessing that success and to being able to show others how to do it and then set them up for success and going to college and uh, learning things the right way. Um, so I, I think there's ways that we've got to do a better job of ensuring that our student leaders are, are developed at a younger age and getting them to buy into that so that we can have uh, teachers that follow us. That's Dr. Matt Rowan, director of bands for the Pearl School District in Pearl, Mississippi, talking with Nick Averwater. This conversation will continue next time on the After Hours Director's Spotlight, which is presented by Amro Music, a family-owned company since 1921. At Amro, we work with over 600 schools in eight states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians. And these partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. Our director's services department is ready to work with your school, too. Just email alan at amromusic.com or seth at amromusic.com. The After Hours podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. And you can hear many more conversations with music educators at amromusic.com slash afterhours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.